All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Hey, you can be seated. I appreciate you being here. You know, we've started moving these meetings to 6.30 uh, just to kind of get you guys out a little bit earlier. And uh, then I thought, you know, we haven't really even asked anybody if that actually helps them or not. So I thought it'd be a good idea. It's one of those, I like you, do you like me? Yes or no uh, sort of things. So, so that's what that is. Hey, before I get started, uh, I do have a lot I want to say. I am aware of uh, that, your time and all that. Uh, but I just do want to say thank you guys so much for your support, uh, for Suzette and I, for your prayer and your, uh, your love and flowers and cards and... Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. I didn't, I thought I was not going to cry about that. Um, So I hope she's watching so she can know that I actually do have feelings. Um, Yeah, thank you. Thank you, everybody who's brought food. Uh, My wife is actually having to make herself eat, and I'm blaming y'all for me getting fatter. Uh, so, uh, but thank you so much for your support means, uh, so, so much to us and we're believing God for total victory for Suzette and, uh, she's going to be running strong and have, we're going to have another story of God's faithfulness to tell. So thank you for standing with us. Um, core leaders, let me just say, uh, you know, when I try to think back to all the seasons and or iterations of the Rock Church in 32 and a half years, um, we have definitely had a lot of different uh, looks and um, ways that we've done things and things that God has done. And uh, so what I, what I want to say that I think is important about a meeting like this and why I still hold so much value on this meeting is you and me, we are the core of this season. And, uh, and so the truth is, and the reality of a church is, you can have a lot of people out on the fringe, you can have a lot of people in a congregation, you can have a lot of people in the crowd, but the health of a church is the health of its core. And so I, what, what, we, what we end up doing and who we are uh, matters more than you could possibly imagine. So what we are now is what our church is. So if we are praying, our church is a praying church. And if we are serving and if we are worshiping, if we are loving, if whatever we are doing, uh, that's what our church is, is doing. I, it's... It, it's, it's, it's on our watch now. This season is on our watch. And uh, here we are. Apparently, we're done with the pandemic. <laughs> uh, who knew? Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's interesting to me. Um, and, uh, but I think, uh, I think an interesting thing is happening in our, in our world I was reading this just a couple of days ago, really. A 2021 study from LifeWay Research 
based on data from three dozen denominations, found that 4,500 churches closed in 2019, while only 3,000 were started. Uh, So 1,500 more closed than started. The 2021 Faith Communities Today study found that the median worship attendance for churches in the U.S. dropped from 137 people uh, to 65 people over the past two decades. And uh, and the reality is that 4,500 churches closing is maybe 1% of all the churches, the Protestant churches that are in the United States. So uh, it sounds bigger than it is, but the reality is there are more and more churches that are heading towards closing. And uh, all, I can, all I can say is not on my watch. I mean, it's not on my watch. Uh, are we going to see... And I mean, I, I, just see us, I just see us moving forward in a strong way uh, and not even, not even coming close to that. But the potential is there. And uh, church and church attendance and the church and the life of people has shifted so much in the past uh, few years. And if we really do believe that church is God's idea, uh, and if we really do believe that, then strong local churches are the hope of the world. And so um, that's why we're gathering, and that's why you're here. Thank you for being here. And, uh, you know, this is, this is, this is, this is our, our season to shine for the glory of God, right? Um, so I, I want to just uh, continue to keep in front of you guys the, the call to prayer that is so much on my heart for our church. We've always been a praying church, but uh, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm really burdened and really feel called for us to have a whole different level of prayer in the life of our church. Um, we're, we're not just kind of taking a poke at this. Uh, we, we are committing to our church, not just having a prayer program, like you pick a program you want to be a part of, but, but actually literally having a prayer culture. And uh, it, is, it is always, always a, a precursor to any kind of move of God um, in the earth. I was, uh, there's a book I've had our staff going through in staff development, and uh, there was a, um, a piece in it. It's called Old Paths, New Power. If you wanted to grab a hold of that and read that for yourself, it'd be great. But uh, many of us have probably heard of C.H. Spurgeon, uh, one of the greatest preachers that ever lived and um, pastored a church in London, England. It says in the 1860s, C.H. Spurgeon led prayer meetings at the Metropolitan Tabernacle, um, which, by the way, was one of the very first ever mega churches, 6,000-seat uh, auditorium for their church. People met at 7 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. every day to pray. Every day. Uh, people met at 7. Suzette was listening to something the other day. She was telling me about 
uh, in honor of St. Patrick's Day where there was, uh, there was some church in Ireland that uh, way back, they had 24-hour prayer, prayer all day long, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for 150 years. Uh, so, so we can make First Wednesday prayer, right? Come on. Can we do it? And pre-service prayer. One evening, a visitor asked why Spurgeon's ministries were so successful. Spurgeon walked his visitor to the sanctuary, opened the door, and let him watch the participants praying that night. Nothing more needed to be said. So uh, my, um, my burden in my heart is that, that the prayer program is not just a prayer program, but that the prayer culture of our church, that some of you guys will even take the lead in, in leading in prayer for our church. Um, and then we're just, we, we, you know, mentioned Easter is coming up April 17th. Uh, you guys know Easter is e- our easiest evangelistic opportunity of the year, at that and Christmas Eve. And I just want to uh, encourage you to make it a part of your prayer life from now to April 17th. Uh, look for somebody to invite, ask God for a divine appointment, um, and especially, I'm going to ask you to show up because the power of your presence means so, so very much. And then uh, come May 1st, uh, we are going to receive our Endeavor Spring Offering, and uh, it's our opportunity to sow into uh, the strength of the house of God. Um, we're in a season, we're in a, an, a kind of an unusual season, I think, for our church in that uh, our buildings are, you know, 25-ish years old. And I don't know if you have ever owned a home that was 25 years old, but you got this stuff you got to fix every week. And so um, we got lots of stuff to fix. And uh, just asking you to pray and uh, ask the Lord uh, what you would do for Endeavor Spring Offering. So uh, I can tell them there's no way I'm going to finish this message. Um, I've, no, I can't. (laughs) You don't want me to. Uh, um, So just uh, in praying over this night um, and what I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to say, uh, I, I was very much drawn back to this uh, messages that I spoke on at the end of the year about I identify with a new season. And it's taken out of Joshua chapter 5, and um, you guys would probably know this, but I'm, I'm, not re- I'm not just like looking for messages to preach. I'm always seeking after what is the word of the Lord for us. And um, so I I think sometimes uh, I see these guys that can plan out their preaching calendar for a year, and I'm thinking, I have no idea what God's going to be saying to me in August. You know, so I just, I get to keep my staff guys on their toes uh, because I can't really give them that much advance notice. But I've always got this stuff stirring into me. Anyway, the long and the short of it is, um, I really felt like this um, Joshua chapter 5 uh, session uh, in the life of Israel is very much a prophetic word for us. And I wanted to go over it a little bit and just kind of cover a couple of the things that I think 
are super important and that I want you to attach some faith to and that you and I together would be able to walk in this. Um, the, when I was teaching this, it was between, it was like the Christmas, the day after Christmas service that was just online and you never know who's really listening to that or not. So, uh, so let, me just, let me just walk through some of this and uh, just share some thoughts and I'm praying the Holy Spirit helps us all to, to kind of get a hold of this. The first idea is this, don't get lost in transition. Don't get lost in transition. This is a massive transitional moment for Israel. Uh, they have come out of Egypt. They have wandered in the desert for 40 years. And in the next chapter, Joshua chapter 6, I would love to read all of Joshua 5, but it's just too much. You, would you read it, though? I would encourage you to. Uh, in the next chapter, no, chapter 6, is the Jericho conquest that they're going to start taking the promised land. And they are, they are in Joshua 5. They're not in the wilderness any longer. They're not wandering. They've left Egypt. They're not wandering in the wilderness. They've not started taking their land. They're just in a transitional season. And I think anytime any of us, and I think we all find ourselves in a transitional season right now, but when you're in an in-between transitional season where you, like you had a level of some kind of certainty about what was going on, who you are, where you fit in a season, and you know God's got you going somewhere, but you don't know exactly where that is. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're just handling transition is so important. And the truth is, as we go through transition, um, you can lose your momentum when you're in transition. You can lose your identity when you're in transition. You can lose your direction when you're in transition. You can lose your confidence. Where do I fit? Who am I? Who am I connected to? I watch people that used to come to our church a long time ago. They come back and they look around and they go, I don't know if I see anybody that I used to see on a regular basis and I don't, everything kind of different now. And, and they have a hard time fitting back in. You can lose your balance in a transitional season. And I just want to, I, I, this is so important to me for us to get this. Things have changed so much in this world, and things are continuing to change in this world. And after two years, just abruptly, it appears the pandemic is over. And, and to me, the pandemic, uh, whatever of it was real and whatever of it was not real, and I think it's... Definitely there was some of it that was real, but definitely there was some of it that was fake news uh, in my thinking. Uh, and all I know is it has accelerated change in the world in an incredible way. We, we are all entering a new era of human history, and we all know that, but we don't exactly know what the heck that even means. We know it means something, uh, but we are in a transition period. And, and so I, th I think our church is certainly transitioning 
but that's an, it's an odd place to be where you knew who you were, you know God's got something planned for you, but you're in this transition. Can anybody hear what I'm saying, right? As, as an individual, I imagine you feel that way. As a nation, I think we feel that way. Like, what, what? I mean, even now, worldwide, with the crazy stuff that's going on in the Ukraine, I mean, we, we are in a, a massive transitional moment in history. And uh, the, what I am convinced of is this, Jesus is still building his church, right? And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against his church. God is still on his throne. Somebody say amen. But we are in transition, and change is happening exponentially uh, in this world. And the thing that I want to say to us is trying to make certainty out of a season where there is no certainty is kind of a mistake because you may or may not hit what certainty really is. And I'm, I'm drawn in this season to this story of when the 10 um, virgins came with their lamps to wait for the bridegroom and, and five of them brought just their lamp and no extra oil. And five of them brought their lamp and, and brought an extra flask of oil. And the five who did not have uh, extra oil found themselves stuck and caught and not ready to change, not ready for the delay. They didn't know. And so all of a sudden, they, they were in this place where they couldn't handle what was happening and they were running off to try to find oil. But when they did that, that's when the bridegroom came. And what I want to say to us and why I think this call to prayer is so important for us is that the, the, the extra oil, you need extra oil for an uncertain transition season. Because there, there are delays, uh, there are unexpected, there is uncertainty, there is a lot of stuff that goes on. And, you know, I, I've, I've said this for years, but you got to burn the oil and not the wick. Uh, and the price that we pay for the oil is time in God's presence. And to manage through this season of uncertainty and transition, we, we, you as a person, I'm encouraging you, not like here's another load for your life. You gotta be spending some time with God you, to have the oil to deal with the uncertainty. And I think there are some people that are looking for closure. They're looking for uh, clarity. And it's not there yet. Change, change is always happening. Change is always inevitable. The only constant in life actually is change. But there is a difference. Change is things changing. Transition 
is an unexpected sense that's within you. Transition is what you are feeling when change is taking place. And when unexpected change gets forced on you. I mean, I like when I get to choose change. But I mean, I don't really care for change to be forced on me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And the thing is, life is going to throw change our way. And we either need to choose to change or at least choose some kind of flexibility. Transition is this in, internal process. And so I think the, the season that we're in, we got to be able to handle change. We got to be able to handle transition uh, and, and not be led by fear. Right? Proverbs 3, verse 25 and 26, do not be afraid of sudden danger, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes. For the Lord will be your confidence, and you will keep your foot from being caught. Don't be afraid of sudden danger. In this crazy day that we live in, it would be so easy to let fear and uncertainty rise up, but thankfully, the Lord can be your confidence. Anybody with me on that, right? All right, let me move on real quick. Second thing that I think that is prophetic is there are new provisions for new seasons. New provisions for new seasons. So Joshua 5, verse 12 says, The manna ceased on the day after they'd eaten some of the produce of the land, so that the sons of Israel no longer had manna, but now they ate some of the yield of the land of Canaan during that year. So manna has been their provision for the last 40 years. Manna has been meeting every one of their nutritional needs. Uh, and they're used to manna. They're used to the daily uh, process of manna. They're used to the daily rhythm of manna. They're used to making new and, and, and hopefully tasteful things out of manna. And all of a sudden, now in Joshua 5... 40 years of the way they used to eat, used to receive provision, is, comes to an end, unexpectedly really, when they eat of the produce of the land. They're not thinking this is going to cause uh, a, a, you know, a stopping of the manna. It used to be manna, but now new provision is, is coming. And, it's, and now provision is coming from a land flowing with milk and honey. What the heck does that mean? If, you, if all you've ever known is manna, if, you're, if your last 40 years have been manna, how do you reorient from 40 years of your provision coming one way, and now all of a sudden you're in this land flowing with milk and money, honey? Your manna cookbook, over, <laughs> done, Right? Your morning routine, I have a morning routine that I love. I would hate for it to get messed up. 
but your morning routine of gathering the manna over. Your favorite banana pancake over. So Joshua 5, they're having to adjust to a whole new way of doing things. God's provision is still flowing. It's just getting to them differently. I'm really praying the Holy Spirit helps us with this, right? So the first piece of the puzzle for me is always remembering it is the nature of God to be a provider, right? Uh, you know the story with um, Abraham and his son, and he was going up to sacrifice him in Genesis 22. Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. Everybody say, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Provision is in the nature of God. He's always ready to provide. He's the source of provision. But, ne- but it, the, the channel used to be manna. Now the channel is the produce of the land. Now the channel is entirely different. And I just want to say that I believe that God wants to bless some of us, all of us, and our church with provision that enables us to do great things for the glory of God. In other words, I'm not, I'm not willing to just sort of go back into this fearful, hoarding, safe zone. And uh, Haggai chapter 2, if you want to pray with me, is that scripture going to go up? Um, if if you want to pray with me, this scripture is a big part of my prayer life right now. Uh, and verse 9 is going to come after that. I will shake all the nations. Hello. They will come with the wealth of all nations. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of armies. I think if some of these 4,500 churches that shut down actually had this idea alive inside of them, there may have been a different story, right? The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former glory, says the Lord of armies. And in this place, I will give peace declares the Lord of armies. The latter glory of the house of God being greater than the former glory. Can can anybody feel it? Can you just, can you have a little bit of faith for that? I'm convinced that God doesn't ever want to move backwards. He's always moving forward. And what I see in this passage, and I realize some people have possibly misused some of these ideas. I don't know. But I'm just saying to you, when I look at this, I see glory, which is kabod, which is the presence, the substance, the reality of God, the glory of God being greater. Glory and wealth go together. 
they're, they're, it's not like the more godly you get, the less wealth. Somebody shout me down. It, it, it is the more presence of God, the more the, the wealth. Of, and I, I don't know how it's going to get to you or should I say also through you, but God wants to get it to you and he wants to get it through you and he wants his house to be fully resourced for this amazing call that we have on us. The glory of God moves things in the spirit realm and, the, and wealth moves things in the natural realm. So I'm believing God that the glory and the wealth of the house of God is going to be rebuilt and be greater than before. Because, I mean, you know, the thing is, wealth is not going away. It's just redistributing. <laughs> right now it's going to the gas company. Hello. Provision has not stopped flowing, but it's just started moving in different places and in different ways. Things are changing, and we've got to be willing to change with them. And I think some people want to fight the stream of how wealth is moving in the earth. Like, all of my Christmas shopping this past year, I did it online. I didn't walk into a store. Everything I bought from my grandbabies, everything I bought from my family, I bought it online. Amazon brought it to my door. Amen. And it, but it's a whole different way of wealth distributing. And there are some people who want to fight against it, and I'm saying, it's what's happening. I've read an article where in 2021, all the businesses and all the restaurants that closed in Asheville. And then I read another article about all the new restaurants and all the new businesses that opened in Asheville in 2021. One group is saying, the pandemic shut me down. The other group is saying, this pandemic is giving me an opportunity. All right, the third thing I want to talk about, and uh, I'm getting close. I'm going to finish, sort of. New authority comes for a new season. So Joshua 5.1 uh, says this, It came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and all the kings of the Amorites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel until they had crossed, all of those kings, their hearts melted and there, were, there was no spirit in them any longer because of the sons of Israel. So in other words, what Israel didn't know is that all these Amorite kings were living in fear of the authority that was on them. Israel didn't understand how much authority they actually had, right? It didn't, it didn't dawn on them. I want to say, you're doing better than you think. You, 
you, you might be thinking, I'm not doing so well. But there's somebody looking at you going, I wish I was doing like them. Hello? You have more potential than you think you have. Right? You have more authority than you think you have. And so Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 It came about when Joshua was by Jericho, he raised his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for your enemies? And he said, no, rather I have come now as captain of the army of the Lord. Joshua fell on his face to the ground, bowed down and said to him, what is my Lord to say to his servant? Well, this is Jesus showing up. Joshua saying, whose side are you on? And Jesus said, I'm not to come to take sides. I came to take over. So please hear what I'm saying. Jesus doesn't come to take the side of the liberal or the conservative. He doesn't come to take the side of the Republican or the Democrat. I can tell I'm winning friends, but just hang with me. Jesus doesn't, it's it's kind of over now, right? But Jesus doesn't care about the mask or not. If you feel better about wearing it, you go right ahead. Jesus is not anti-vaccination. I think... I think we get sucked into that kind of stuff. And what I want us to understand is that the authority of Jesus in the earth is really above all of that. I I don't care about any of that. I mean, I don't say he doesn't care. And some people, I believe some people are called to the realm of politics, no question. And if you are, serve God with all your heart and go. But can I just say, I think for the church to get sucked into the political battle is to misunderstand that the authority of Jesus is way above this side or that side. The political realm is just a realm of authority. But we always got to remember that there is an authority greater than that. Jesus said, all authority, Matthew 28, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. There, and, and I think as we journey forward as a, as a church, as you journey forward as a believer, you got you to gotta remember there is a ruler on the throne who's in charge of everything. And it operates different than the world does. Revelation chapter um, 5, verse 9 through 10. They sang a new song saying, Worthy are you, Jesus, to take the scroll, to break its seals, for you were slaughtered. You purchased people for God with your blood from every tribe, language, people, and nation, and you made them into a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Jesus worthy of authority. I look at most of our leaders in our country and I'm thinking, 
we could do better than this. We should be able to. We got 333 million people in this nation. We can do better. We can do better than that. And I hope I'm not hurting your feelings in any way, but I, I just want to say, I think a lot of them are in positions of authority because they've played the game right and their, their astute leadership calls that are supposed to be serving the people God's called them to lead are missing entirely. They're not worthy. They are to be honored. That's what the Bible says, but they're not worthy. Jesus is worthy of authority. I hope you can hear me, right? His authority flows out of his worthiness. <laughs> out of Jesus' authority flows an authority to his people to release his reign on the earth. And we're a kingdom of priests, kingly authority released with priestly activity. When I'm, when I'm urging our church to pray, it's not just that we'll just have a good service that day. We got to recognize that the authority of Jesus is going to flow through a royal priesthood who, who get it. And there's no, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Our world, our church, I mean, a lot of us, we need a fresh release of heaven into our life, heaven's authority into this world. And that's why, to me, God is stirring my heart for us to move into this place of, of prayer. Uh, more, more church as usual won't cut it. I, I, I love administration. I love organization. I love programs. And I'm not against any of those. But those things, without the power of God, without heaven's authority on them, is not going to solve the problems our world is facing. It's not going to solve the problems we're facing. The battle is not in the natural. The battle, the battle is on a spiritual realm entirely. All right? Last thing I want to say, then we're going to pray together. Number, number four, a renewed heart of covenant brings us into a new season. So, Really, most people, if you would probably look in your Bible, it would, it would say something about all the elements of circumcision seven different times. Circumcision is talked about in this Joshua chapter 5. So, in other words, often when God would be calling people to move into a, a new place, he would be calling for a fresh dedication to be ready for the battle that's ahead. That we couldn't carry anything that's old or stale or not real into the season that's in front of us. And Revelation chapter 3 has really kind of grabbed my heart Jesus said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. And we will share a meal 
together as friends. This is when Jesus is, when the book of Revelation is talking to the seven churches. In other words, this, a lot of times we think this passage is about Jesus knocking at the door of an unbeliever's heart, would you let me in? But the truth is, this is Jesus knocking at the door of the church and saying, would, could I come in? Like now? Like not, not the relationship we had three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but I, wanna, I want to come in now. And he's just, I believe he's standing at the door of our church, of many churches, and saying, can I come in? And I mean, I'm not saying Jesus hasn't always been in our church. I'm just saying, this is a fresh day. This is a new day. We are in a transitional season. And I feel like Jesus is knocking at the door of my heart saying, can I come in in a new way, in a fresh way? Would you be willing to just push refresh on your commit to walking with me, to serving me? Behold, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. I want to come in and eat a meal with you. I want to come in and enter in to your world. Hey, I want to take a moment. I want to pray. Um, I want us to worship. And I just want us to seek the Lord for just a couple of minutes. Father, thank you for the beauty of your word. Thank you for the prophetic power of your word. And God, as we are looking at Israel in this Joshua 5 session Father, believe that you are speaking to us, God. Father, I pray for us to be full of the oil, the anointing. I pray for your provision to flow and that the glory of the house will be greater in the future than the former glory ever has been. Father, I'm praying for us as, as leaders just to surrender fresh to you in this moment to let you in.